Listening Dog Media. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Athletic. Hello, it's the Offside Rule and Kate Borsay here with you. A happy new year and welcome back. It's the first Offside Rule podcast of 2023. And of course, the first podcast since we've had the World Cup. And look, we've got a really interesting show lined up for you today. In a moment, we're going to hear from the Athletics' Kiva O'Neill and we're going to be making some predictions for 2023. But first, let me introduce my partner in podcasting. Back for more, chomping at the bit. It is the terrific, the wonderful... I'm sure she's been clocking up a few miles all over the country during uh, the Christmas break. Not much of a break, though, for Lindsay Hooper. Hello. Hello. And clocking up a few germs along the way as well, (laughs) which have been with me for about a month now. Forgive the sniffs and snivels. Lindsay has a bad cough, probably made no better by having to get in your car and go all over the place. And, And also it gets pretty cold at stadiums as well. Tell us where you've been to, Linz, in traditional offside fashion. Uh, We like to try and keep up with all your movements. Well, to start 2023 on New Year's Day, I I like to do this to start a brand new year. Go to a stadium you've never been to before. Um, I was at Sutton United against Wimbledon, which is a local derby, only 5.2 miles between these two teams. It was a sellout. And yeah, it was only 45 minutes away in the car. So I I was a bit disappointed with myself that I'd not been there before to tip one of these off the list. I think we just call that a cushy number, don't we, Lindsay, on New Year's Day? not having to travel too far. Uh, A win for Sutton at that one as well. And look, the Premier League season, well and truly back. Uh, Of course, it's been... It's been like the start of a season again. We've never had this, of course, before this sort of break in the middle of the season, uh, particularly not for a World Cup. How's it been? Has it kind of felt felt different for you as a reporter having to sort of navigate this return? A little bit. I was still working for Sky, so I was still covering EFL during the World Cup when there were those match rounds on WSL, you may have noticed, was in some of the bigger stadia. So we were in Villa Park, Old Trafford. So that kept me busy. But since it's returned, it has felt relentless. I'm sure Kiva's going to agree. But 
there have been very little days between matches. The turnaround between them is such that we've started having clubs do this thing where at the end of a match, they preview the next one, which is always <laughs> a big sign that, you know, the, the fixtures are getting too cluttered. So yeah, getting back into that pace whilst also being full of germs probably has been quite a test. <laughs> mm. Well, let's welcome in uh, the Liverpool writer, the Athletics Kiva O'Neill, who joins us on the show today for this all-girl affair, as we like it. Hello, Kiva. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm tired too, by the way. Oh, no, come on, ladies. Come on, come on. Um, tell us what it's been like for you then, Kiva. So you focus on uh, the Liverpool teams for the Athletic. Um, and of course, you know, plenty of eyes on Liverpool and Everton at the moment, probably for different reasons, of course. What's it been like for you as a reporter kind of getting back into it, I suppose? Yeah, I think, like Lindsay mentioned there, it's kind of straight out of the World Cup into Liverpool playing Man City in the League Cup and it just felt like is this right are we meant to do this yet and then obviously Premier League games come thick and fast and it looks like Liverpool have turned the corner and then oh no you know back to a struggling season again a defeat to Brentford sort of compounded the misery again it just felt like they just keep turning the corner and then going back on themselves so like that song, one step forward, two steps back. So that's basically me with them going through the motions. Paula Abdul, I love her. That could be the whole framing for your next article, that song. <laughs> Do you know what? Let's not put this out. I <laughs> hope Liverpool fans don't hear it. It's also got an excellent video as well. You're giving me flashbacks, Kiva, you really are. And we've not spoken on this show since the World Cup. We left that to, to some of the other podcasts to cover while we just... You know, sat back and enjoyed it largely, Lindsay. And despite all the concern and look, the ongoing issues in Qatar that are off the pitch, the football did show up. The football was really excellent, actually. One of the best World Cups uh, I think we've seen in a long time. What's your biggest takeaway, Lindsay, if we look back at that period, which which actually feels like it was about six months ago now, doesn't it? But anyway, um, what's your overriding takeaway from Qatar? In terms of abiding memory, it has to be to do with the final. I've never known a final at a World Cup like that. And and let's face it, the tournament as a whole, it had upsets at the beginning. We saw nations like Japan do really well against Germany. So there were so many of those moments. But if you if you just take it overall and like your takeaway years down the line, I think it has to be to do with the final. Look, I'm going to let you wax lyrical about Messi and I'm sure he's going to come up again throughout this show. So I'm going to say that my abiding memory, I don't know what this says about my character that I'm focused on the loser, but I don't can't get that image of Mbappe sat in the dugout afterwards, having scored a hat-trick in a World Cup final, being on the losing side. Yes, still not being enough. Having the nerves of steel for those penalties as well, taking three in total. Yeah. And yeah, I just there was just that that overwhelming feeling of this guy's gonna be back, a bit like Terminator. He's already got one World Cup. I wonder with the passing of Pele as well recently, is he gonna be maybe a player that could get three in his career? We, uh, we will wait and see for that. Mm, one and counting. For me, it has to be the uh, takeaway kind of purely with home interest at heart was how England played really well, despite perhaps not getting as far as many of us thought they should, beaten by France in the quarterfinals. But I was really encouraged by what I saw. I thought Jude Bellingham was fantastic and is the player we all thought we knew he was uh, and is. Um, and other players like Bakayo Saka too, this kind of young throng of players that Gareth Southgate has at his disposal, as well as, you know, seeing them learn and interact with the older players as well. I feel really encouraged after the World Cup, despite being slightly disappointed with England's final result. I do feel really encouraged about the national team, for sure. That's my big takeaway. Kiva, what about you? 
I think it has to be Messi, doesn't it? Because like Lindsay said, you've pictured Mbappe and Messi that final. I think I had all these memories and moments from the World Cup and then that final just destroyed all of them in my mind. It was just like, oh, I can't remember anything now other than that game and just how for like 80 minutes, 70 minutes, it was just Argentina, it was petering out and then Mbappe happens and it was just incredible. I don't think we'll ever see a game like that. When you think this game is every four years and we got that final, is so rare and messy to have his moment. And then I think just, you know, I spent like two days just searching Argentina and just for videos on Twitter <laughs> of Buenos Aires and, you know, all <laughs> yeah. over Argentina, the fans, it just, those videos were incredible. And they're still going on, like the video of Alexis McAllister returning to Brighton. We're still getting those. Still partying. Got to give it to them. <laughs> well, before we get stuck into our 2023 predictions, a reminder that you can subscribe via your favourite podcasting app. We're on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and do check out our brilliant website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. Okay, Kiva, Lindsay, let's get stuck into some of these predictions then, shall we? Uh, we're going to start with the big one. And it's perhaps the one that'll cause the least debate or maybe we've got the fewest options for. Anyway, let's see. Who's going to win the Premier League? Kiva O'Neill, I'm handing this to you first off. Where's your money at? Manchester City. Look, I've followed Liverpool for a long time in the past few seasons. Even when you have a lead on Manchester City, they're just going to claw it back. And I think Arsenal the other day, you know, I just felt like after they'd won just going into the year and what did it open up like a seven point gap at that time and City had obviously drew of Everton and I just felt like okay yeah Arsenal could do this and they still really could do it then they drew with Newcastle and you're kind of just thinking I don't know points dropped at home in a race with Man City even though you're ahead of them you've just got to get as far ahead you've got to run Forest run you've just got to get ahead as far ahead as you can and just like you know let Pep Guardiola not be able to see you anymore because he'll chase you down is what I feel so yeah I just feel like Man City I mean Haaland is just going to keep on scoring isn't he he's, no he's, he's ridiculous he's utterly ridiculous in it a great way it would be as bad as the um, Mbappe abiding memory that I had if Haaland scores the most goals but City didn't win the league it'd be like that sort of image yeah um, it would. I mean, are we doing? And by the way, Kiva, uh, you've already got a song reference: Paula Abdul, Two Steps Forward, Two Steps Back, and a film reference: Forest Gump, Run, Run, Forest, Run. I don't know where you're going next, but I'm intrigued to keep listening. Poetry, perhaps. I don't know what else. What else? Yes, yes. Lindsay, are we doing Arsenal a disservice here? They're currently, as we record this, eight points in front. Okay, City have got a game in hand on them. Um, But the stats tell us that the team at the top at New Year are more than likely to take the title. But it's almost as if none of us believe in Arsenal enough. But Arsenal are doing quite a job, good, good job of doing that themselves. Is it about the experience of City or are we are we being a bit mean to Arsenal here? Well, those stats, first of all, because of the World Cup year can go out the window. We are not anywhere near the halfway (laughs) point. So to say that a team is top at the beginning of January this time isn't going to cut it. So let's just park that because I don't think that's an indicator at all. I think it is between Arsenal and City. I think it's a straight shootout. I'm discounting Newcastle. And the reason being is that I don't think they've got enough regular firepower in the team. Whereas I think that goals for City, they can rely purely on Haaland if they want to, but they have got De Bruyne and Foden and uh, we see what Gundogan can do as well in matches. 
I honestly think that they've got goals from from all over, as have Arsenal. Let's look at Martinelli, Saka, Odegaard, the fact that Enketia has been able to come in and replace Jesus so far. I honestly think that they can get goals from from all over and including set pieces. You know, Gabriel and Saliba have, have come up with a few goals from headers this season. So I think it is between the two of them. What has one got that the the other hasn't? The know-how. I think City coming into mm. that final push of the season, they've been there, they've done it, they know how to get it over the line, whilst also having a team like Liverpool, who Kiva covers, breathing down their necks. I mean, there was literally like a point between them at one point and City still managed to do it. So Arsenal not only have got to hold their nerve, I agree, they need a buffer. And I think if they go into the last few games and they're not something like five to eight points clear, then City could even reel them in because we've seen them wobble before. We saw them we saw them do it last season, didn't we? You know, Arsenal have, have done it a few seasons in a row where we think they're going to finish in one place and they drop down a few more. I mean, this is really uncharted territory for Arsenal. It, it feels like it to me. Whereas Manchester City do have that elite edge. They do have the experience. Arsenal have momentum, they have belief, they have that team spirit, they have, they have that new setup under Mikel Arteta, which is which is really bearing fruit as as we've seen. So, you know, could Arsenal, I don't want to say do a bit of a Leicester, because that's it's not quite a comparison to make, really, but uh, could Arsenal keep riding the wave and just really nicely keep themselves out in front, keep City chasing? But could Arsenal do enough to keep the momentum going? There's already eight points between them and City, as I said, a game in hand for City. But could they could they continue that through to the end of the season? They've done a really good job of it so far. Such a big contrast to last season for Arsenal, isn't it? Uh, let's see. I have to say, probably like both of you, it's really hard to see beyond the clinical edge that City have, the experience of winning, the know-how to get a team across the line up to the death. And, and it will feel like a long season. And so that that may play into City's hands with all their experience. OK, let's go on to the top four, which is arguably perhaps a bit more interesting than the title race. As we record this, Arsenal are top, City in second, uh, Newcastle third, Manchester United fourth, then Tottenham then Liverpool. Um, Kiva, I'll go to you to make the case for Liverpool, I think. It feels like the natural thing to do. They were going great guns, really, weren't they, uh, until that trip to Brentford. Uh, and it's a reminder that although Liverpool have the experience of winning, they have some great personnel behind them, they aren't the whole team yet. They aren't the whole 100%, are they? No, there's been injuries and different things happening. They played 63 games last season. So I think, you know, this still feels like early doors. It felt like on the opening day, right from Fulham, it was a bit of a hangover. They just never quite got things together and then struggled after that. You know, there's been ups and then there's been downs and you just kind of expect them now. They look like a lot of the time when you watch them, a team of individuals more than a team that are together like they were last season because, you know, we're talking about a title race this season. Liverpool at one point were 13 points off the top, I think, in January and managed to, you know, pull themselves right into it, take it to, I think they were eight minutes away from winning the league at one point, potentially. So it was a long old season getting to that Champions League final as well, but that's all gone now and you're just kind of, you know, waiting for them to wake up and then they do and then they sort of just, you know, fall asleep again, I guess. I'd still, I'd still back them for top four. I just think there's too much quality in that team and too much history almost and experience in what they've been through in the last few seasons. Alisson scored a header in during the, the lockdown league season. 
to get Liverpool into the Champions League not long ago. And it feels like, you know, they'll do anything to get over the line. It just feels like it's going to be one of those Liverpool down-to-the-wire jobs again. Mm. And I think they will do it. I've just got a feeling. I hope they will. But, you know, yeah, you just can't predict them at the minute. And that's difficult, I think. It is a difficult position and uh, issues with the midfield. I mean, you know, real real defensive errors against Brentford as well, really. It was a real shame. Um, But they will need to reinforce during this window. And a lot of how uh, Liverpool finish this season might well depend on the personnel that they do or don't secure during this window or how they navigate uh, some of the issues with their midfield. Um, Lindsay, let's talk about Manchester United and Spurs and and Newcastle. In fact, let's just wrap this all up into one. Newcastle are doing terrifically, but again, it's it is hard to see them last the course in the top four, isn't it? Great, great if they do, but I don't think any of us are expecting them to. I think it's going to be between Newcastle, Spurs and Liverpool for the fourth spot. I think United now are showing that they've got enough to get the third place. And again, you know, the the thing that I'm bringing it all down to is goals. You know, we've seen such a shortage of top quality strikers. We're in the January transfer window and nearly every club and every press conference I go to, bar a few, like City, for instance, who've got Haaland, they're all thinking like, where do I get this number nine from? Where do I get the goals from? They've all got the same problem. I was talking to David Moyes, who's under a lot of pressure at the moment. You look at Frank Lampard at Everton, Wolves, my team can't score. So you need to get someone banging them in. And United in Rashford, um, but not just Rashford. I think if you look across the board, they've got Fernandez, Martial. I think they have players that can that can score goals. And I do think they'll probably add to that in this window somewhere. So that propels them up. I think Liverpool should really finish. It would be between Liverpool and Spurs because of Kane factor as well for, for Spurs. Although I just, I'm just not convinced at the moment that that Spurs are, have got the mentality at the minute to be able to get into the top four. But Newcastle, my word of warning with them and I don't know whether I'm doing him a disservice, but I just think that Almiron, I think it has been a purple patch. I don't think you can rely just on on him getting loads of these goals. And some Maximan and Bruno Gomeres and Isak that they brought in, I don't think they've been getting enough. So that is why I would think that, that maybe they finish in the top six, but not the top four. Which would still be a very impressive showing, but I wonder how Newcastle fans will react to that, having having been in this top four contention um, for quite a bit. Um, Man United, I agree. They've been great, haven't they, since the World Cup? Three wins from three games, look very comfortable against Bournemouth. Spurs, as you say, look, four losses in Spurs' past seven games. They just don't start well. Yeah, that is really undermining um, the great start that they had to the season. They they can't seem to stop conceding goals and they can't create decent chances as well to outscore their opponents. It's really kind of any second half recoveries that are doing Spurs a service at the moment, but they can't keep relying on that. I I think it's it's really interesting what Antonio Conte has just said, actually, in the last day or so, that he must decide whether he wants to stay as Tottenham Hotspur head coach and undertake a rebuilding job or leave the club. Quite strong words, really, for this point in the season. Okay, let's pick up the pace then and talk about who is going to be relegated. Um, Kiva, at the moment... Uh, Forest, Wolves and Southampton occupy those bottom three spaces. But we should say that West Ham are level on points 
with Forest, 14 points. Everton are down there as well, as are Bournemouth. It's pretty tight. What do you think? It's so hard to predict. I think this is more difficult to predict than who's going to win the league and who's going to finish for top four because it's just so wide open. When you look from Leicester in 13, they're currently on 17 points and then all the way to Southampton in last place on 12, 12 points. It's just like, I just don't know. I think Forest make me feel like they could go down because of just, you know, buying a whole new team, basically, and whether over the course of a season, they'll obviously gel together more as the season goes on, but that's a difficult thing to do. And, you know, those bonds on the pitch, like, are they there? You kind of think, but then they've got the fans at home and you think, you know, they're so passionate. Like, I, th- I think it depends as well whether Steve Cooper, whether they buy more players this January transfer window. I think leave him alone. Leave him to bed in the players that he's mm. got. He's had 23 of them. Yet still we see... Uh, Forest linked with other players in this window. I think that would be a really poor move from the owners if they mm. were to disrupt even further. They did get that point against Chelsea at the weekend, didn't they, Forest? Which makes me think, look, there could well be uh, enough in there. I think the main problem, and it's always like this with relegation battles, is the quality and the experience of the teams around them in those relegation positions. David Moyes and West Ham, it's it's so hard to try and envisage him and that team going down after last season, isn't it? Lindsay Wolves as well. I mean, 13 points, such a terrible run of games. Um, Again, it's really hard after the last few seasons for Wolves fans to imagine a relegation. Yeah, they're in the conversation because they can't score enough goals and they're not as secure at the back as they they were last season when they were just winning 1-0 the odd game and that's how they were doing so well at one point. But in conversation, yes, I'd put Wolves in there. Leicester, Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Forest, Bournemouth. If you were to really push me, I think um, I look at managers as well because I do think that's important and you know, when Wolves recruited and got Lopetegui eventually, um, that has given me some hope. I honestly think it's going to be Southampton, Forest, and one of Bournemouth or Everton. Mm, okay. I'm going to leave that there because time is against us and talk about who's going to win the Champions League. Kiva, pick up on this for me. So we've got Man City favourites according to the bookies. But there are some mega matchups now, which will dispense, of course, of a lot of the top contenders. So a lot will come down to who plays who next, basically, in the Champions League. Uh, the draw's been kind to Manchester City, by the way. I'll be Leipzig next for them. But you've got PSG, Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Chelsea, Liverpool, Real Madrid, a repeat of last season's final. How could they do it to us? I am also a Liverpool fan, of course, and uh, Milan versus Spurs. Who do you like overall to take the Champions League trophy? After Messi won the World Cup and Mbappe did what he did in the final, I was like, how can Paris Saint-Germain not, not win the Champions League <laughs> after this? Like, But obviously they play Bayern Munich so and Bayern can do anything in the Champions League. But then but Bayern have got injury issues, haven't they? They've lost Neuer, Lucas Hernandez as well. So they aren't, they aren't trouble-free at the moment, Bayern, certainly not. Yeah, so I just I've got a feeling for PSG. That's what like my gut is sort of, um, I guess my heart in a way is saying because you know, it's been a while since Messi won the Champions League and obviously Mbappe yet to win one. I think that'll be an important step. But then I just keep thinking about Haaland, like isn't everyone else? He's just on my mind all the time. And um, you know, <laughs> he was City, he was on my, just... my mind before this even this Champions League season got underway. I had 
you know, I have an occasional small bet for about a pound, Kiva. <laughs> 50p. Um, but, yeah, but I put, I actually um, had him as top goal scorer in City to win. There you go. Champions League. Yeah. Mm. See, not a bad choice. I just feel like you can almost picture it. And obviously, Pep, it's been a long, long time since he's won a Champions League and obviously failed to do so without Barcelona and Messi. So I guess you just feel like, would we be shocked to see a PSG Man City final? But then, like, Liverpool, Real Madrid, they know they're playing each other and played each other in the final. They're two teams that can just get to a final somehow, some way, and just be there. Yeah, I'd put... I'd, I'd definitely park Liverpool. I think they do need to focus on the league. They finished second in their group behind Napoli, which, you know, already gives them a harder run. I just feel like there are, yes, of course, they're going to go all out to do their best in every competition. But I almost feel like I like I don't want to invest in Liverpool in the Champions League so much this season because I feel that the other teams there are stronger and maybe maybe have a bit more sort of cast iron focus on it. All right. So uh, we like Manchester City. Hard to see past Manchester City, but also PSG. It feels like there's something in the stars, says Kiva O'Neill. Do not discount Real Madrid either. And Real Madrid at Valencia Hooper. Um, let's go quick on this one then. Where will Jude Bellingham's next club be? Liverpool, right, Kiva? Come on, surely. Surely. It's now Liverpool folklore, isn't it, that... Uh, a deal was done behind the scenes months ago and that he's definitely coming to Liverpool. My eight-year-old son asks me at least once a week when he's coming to Liverpool. I feel like I've sold him a yarn by telling him that there was this illicit deal to bring him into Liverpool and it was going to happen. Eyes on Jude Bellingham in the summer. But of course, he's had a terrific World Cup and there's there has been no illicit deal, has there, Kiva? <laughs> I wish. You know, Liverpool <laughs> need a midfielder. Every team needs Jude Bellingham. That's kind of where we're at, I think. Um, you, he could go anywhere, that's the thing now. And he's got a, a big decision to make. Can't see him moving on in January. I think he, he loves loves Dortmund too much. Yeah, I think he'll I finish like... the job properly, won't he, at Dortmund? Yeah. So we, we, we're sort of talking about €150 million. Euros. So, of course, the evergreen question when it comes to very expensive players, which clubs can actually afford him... Liverpool could, of course, and I like the idea of them investing in young English talent. I like the idea of him being there, but his eye may be turned by other clubs. He had the chance, didn't he, to sign for Manchester United. We learnt that over the festive break for kind of twice the money he's on now at Dortmund, Lindsay, and he spurned the chance to go and join Dortmund on the understanding that when he was ready to leave and when it was time for him to leave, that they would willingly let him go, which, you know, which looks imminent this this summer. Um, where to for you though, Lindsay? I'm just going to state the case. You know, Calvin Phillips at City at the moment is being touted around. I think clubs like West Ham are being mentioned as going in for him. It looks like he's going out the door. Bernardo Silva says that he wants to go because he wants more regular first team football. So you look in that area of the pitch and I think I could see him going to City, but I could also see him replacing Modric at Real Madrid because mm. Modric now is 37. They have got Camavinga and, uh, you know, they've got some great talent in their midfield already. But if Modric is going to move on, who better to go for than Jude Bellingham, who's right at the start of his career. So they could have him for a very long time. My only issue with Real Madrid is the affordability issue. Two many last summer, summer cost them 80 million euros. Uh, of course, they won't get you know, anything for Modric really comparably. So is there an affordability issue there? Chelsea, we don't really know about Chelsea's spending power, do we, under Todd Bowley? Um, not 
not sort of fully fully across that yet. Bellingham could be affordable for Chelsea, though. My heart still says Liverpool, Kiva. Without your Liverpool hat on, where else could you see Jude Bellingham go? Like Lindsay, you do think he is sort of a ready-made Man City signing? They can't have which, him, Kiva. They can't. You you tell them because you know <laughs> it just feels like if they get him, then it just. I don't think ugh. Bellingham will want to go to City. Call me crazy, but I, I I'm not sure City is Bellingham's club. I don't know. I, I mean, is he Birmingham is, he... is Bellingham's club? <laughs> and <laughs> is he is he guaranteed? Cast iron guaranteed first team football at Manchester City? Do you think? I think I think he he walks in. Yeah, he walks into any so. team. I think he's only young, Kiva. He's only young. You you have to remember that. that there are a hell of a lot of seasons ahead of him. I I don't know that Manchester City would would play him week in week out every single game because they don't they don't need to, do they? No, I think he. But I just think you you would because it's Jude Bellingham, and every time I watch him play, I'm like, why would you not put him in your team every single chance you get? I just think he is someone as a person who will put he'll think with his heart almost as well though I don't think he's gonna rush into a decision he's not gonna be a player going after money or anything like that I don't think that's sort of what he's about I never get that you know from him in in interviews and stuff he always comes across as really humble down to earth I think he's gonna go to a club where he feels like obviously playing time because that's why he went to Dortmund to you know develop as a player. Mm. He's absolutely done that. I think that now would be his reservation, wouldn't it, at City? Is that yeah, there's I a lot so. of rotation. It's not that he doesn't walk into the starting eleven. It's that there's a lot of rotation. Yeah, and he's still only young. He's still only very very young, and and City will be mindful of that. Okay, all right, let's move on from where Jude Bellingham's next club will be to the first manager to be fired in 2023. As we're recording this, it's not happened yet, but who may be given their marching order soon? Lindsay, couple of contenders. I'm going to say it really does not look good at all for Frank Lampard at all. I can't I can't see how he pulls Everton back. I can't I can't see any other way apart from the exit door for him. What about you? He's in my list of 3. Frank Lampard Antonio Conte and David Moyes are the three that I think are under the most pressure as we record this. Yeah. So Moyes, uh, big history with West Ham, big, big pedigree as a Premier League manager. Would West Ham get rid of him because they've really got no other choice apart from to bring in someone with some fresh ideas and hope for a new manager bounce? Is that is that is that where they're at in their season? I think at the moment he's been given reassurances and the backing of the club. So if there's going to be more of a trigger release, I I could see that being Antonio Conte because it's just that fiery character as well, isn't it? So that could happen before. But um, I think what we need to remember with West Ham is that there are huge rumours that they're trying to get the club ready for, for selling in March. That's been going on behind the scenes. If the club are in a real thick relegation battle by that point, it makes it more difficult and certainly lose money on the on the potential sale. So I think there would have to be something done. But I, I honestly think that Moyes has got another month or so. And I think he's got a lot in the bank. He's obviously achieved a lot with West Ham. I think they need, they're remembering that. He's sort of the ready-made manager to get them out of trouble, actually, that was drafted in originally. But You've got to you've got to look at the bigger picture. If they're trying to sell, then they'll they'll want to be an attractive proposition. They can back him for now, but they also coming back to my earlier point about knowing that it's not really the halfway point in the season yet. I think that's afforded him more time as well. Um, Nottingham Forest, Steve Cooper, big game tonight, Kiva against Southampton for both teams. Really, as I said, they 
had that valuable point, didn't they, at Chelsea at the weekend. Do Nottingham Forest get trigger happy if Steve Cooper doesn't doesn't pull things back? Will they be forced into this as an option to try and keep themselves in the top league of football? It's going to be interesting when it comes down to it, I think, because didn't they give him that really long contract recently yeah. when everyone thought he was about wah, to get wah, Always, always a killer sign. Always a killer sign, Kiva. And then, I don't know, I just felt like that was a, you know, they backed him and then they had some good form after that. Well, he beat Liverpool, I know that. Then, you know, I just I just feel like, will they be under that much pressure? They bought all these new players. They'll want to stay in the Premier League. They don't want it to just be this one season wonder, do they? They don't want to just they've searched for this and, you know, chased after this dream for years of getting back into the top flight. They've got to do everything they can to stay here and whether the manager goes because of that, I don't know. I just don't get the feeling that they will part ways with them, though. You might Mm. know more detail about this, Kiva, but can they, for FFP reasons, financial fair play, can they afford to sack him? Because you think of all the money they spent, these 23 players they bought in, they spent a lot of money. Then this longer-term deal that they've given Steve Cooper, I'm not convinced they can afford to pay him off. That is an interesting point to mull over. I am going to leave it there, though, as we press on to this one. We're all Lionesses fans. Come on. Can England win the Women's World Cup, Kiva O'Neill? Yes. <laughs> yes, they can. But will they? I think they're doing it. They're doing it. I'm convinced. I think after the Euros, when he played United States at Wembley, I was there to watch that. And I just felt like that was a big moment and test for them. I know, obviously, they were at the home ground where they'd had so many good memories not long before. I just felt like, you know, it just felt like another big step on their journey. And I just can't see past, you know, we know Serena's going to play the exact same 11 from start to finish again. She's just going to, you know, mastermind a World Cup win. It's the one thing I am really convinced of. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am. I just think, you know, especially the way they won the Euros. It was just incredible. This team are just, you know, riding that momentum and floating on that wave still. You Mm -hmm. can see it, you know, just on their Instagrams and stuff. They're just living the best lives. And I just think that will, you know, how close are they now together, you know, as just people, I just think yeah. it's, it it's feels just like, written in the stars. Okay, feels like if 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 there's ever going to be a time that it happens, this is the time, says Kiva O'Neill. Are they living their best life and could that go a little bit wrong when they are faced with Sweden, Canada, USA, Lindsay? Um, USA, of course, have got the experience. England better on form, you could argue. They beat uh, USA at Wembley last year. Beth Mead, there's no guarantee that she's going to be ready for the World Cup, is there? And that will be a huge miss. No, and, and even if she is back, she might not have the match fitness and sharpness that that we're used to have seen, um, certainly at the Euro mm. um, last summer. So will Beth Mead kill Kiva O'Neill's dream, is what I'm asking. Well, speaking of dreams, I've actually already dreamt about this tournament. <laughs> oh, God, okay. And this the is a serious analytical show, by the way. I know, but it Lindsay's felt had a dream. at the time. Um, so the Lionesses did beat USA in a semi-final and got to the final. But the team that they came up against in the final, in my dream, was Germany again. Ooh. And I'm afraid Germany are wounded um, from that final defeat. and. In my dream, it didn't play out well. Okay, all right. So watch out for Germany, Lindsay's saying. But do I believe they can do it? Yes, I do. Yes, I don't think they're going to stroll to it. No, and look, never underestimate Sweden. uh, Olympic champions Canada 
Um, yes, we like to think it's written in the stars, but it's by no means a done deal. And it'll all come down to how Serena Wiegmann manages that squad. But as Kiva says, it's there, if there's ever a time and a manager, let's just indulge in it. Yes, is the answer from us. I'm going to skip who's going to win the 2023 Ballon d'Or because it's going to be Kiva O'Neill. Messy, yes. <laughs> a messy affair. A messy affair. Uh, too early to say. It would be his eighth Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Uh, too early to say for the women, by the way, so much will depend on the World Cup. Let's go to a final one now to wrap things up. Is there an EFL star that you've had your eye on? Maybe they've maybe they've started the sprinklings of something quite fantastic in the championship or in League One or Two, and you think they're going to be a big name for 2023? Kiva. I think because I've watched a lot of Blackburn in the past few seasons with Liverpool, having players there on loan, Harvey Elliott, Clayton Clarkson, now Tyler Morton currently, I always look at Ben Brereton-Diaz and think, surely he's destined for like a Premier League club and it just quite never happens. And he's always linked with, you know, different clubs. I just feel like, I don't know why it's not happened yet. He just looks like a player who could, you know, help one of these teams maybe towards the bottom who are struggling for goals. Okay. My little tip is Sheffield United's Illiman and DI, one of the EFL standout talents for me, really. 29, 29, 22. He's just a nipper. Nine goals, seven assists to his name this season. Played for Senegal during the World Cup, put in very respectable performances. Um, He's a player who was really largely playing for the under-23s at Sheffield United, certainly this time last year. And he's sort of emerged into this great prospect. Um, Very convincing, um, has really helped Sheffield United out. And I think he will be a name that we're all talking about. Of course, Sheffield United second in the championship. He may find his uh, he may find his way into the Premier League uh, regardless through promotion. Uh, but I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about uh, Illiman and DI at Sheffield United. Lindsay, for you? A name that I think we're going to hear a lot more both in the Premier League when Burnley get promoted back into the top flight, but also on the international scene 23-year-old Vitinho, a Brazilian, is a versatile fullback, can play right back, left back. I think he's even played on the wing um, for Vincent Company this season as well. But I think he's going to have his stock really rise. I think he'll get a lot more time with Brazil as well. And yeah, and any 23-year-old Brazilian, Kate, if they're playing in England, they're, they're probably going to be on our radar at some point. <laughs> <laughs> He's also great for the crowds. Bettinho. It's, about, it's, about, it's it definitely better than Bellingham, isn't it? Uh, just a, a hint of glamour there for the crowds. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up there. It's been such a pleasure to have you on, Kiva. Thank you so much for uh, making your first full debut here on the Offside Rule podcast. We obviously speak to you quite a bit on the women's edition. Talking of which, uh, Lindsay, uh, the Athletic Women's Football podcast, um, had a quick break, didn't it, over the festive period? When are you back? We are back, so we'll be back on Monday and we'll be previewing what is going to be a huge, huge weekend in WSL, not least because of a game that I'll be covering for Sky, Arsenal against Chelsea. It's going to be a title decider potentially. So, um, yeah, we always say that, you know, it will go down to the wire, I'm sure. But (laughs) these ones, they play a big part. Um, Kiva, where do your footballing travels take you next? To Liverpool's academy, I think back to back Saturday and Sunday, the joy. I haven't been for a while, so it's always nice to to get back and uh, see see a few familiar faces. Mm. Um, in terms of the academy prospects, I mean, is this 
a really green time in terms of young talent at Liverpool. Does the young talent always look good? Does that does that does that always translate into the first team? I think there's, you know, every season there seems to be certain players that sort of stand out. You're getting the likes of Stefan Badsetic this season sort of breaking into the first team set up and then you have players sort of on the periphery. Ben Doki is one who's just signed for the club and already, you know, training with the first team. So every season it seems to change, you know, one or two will try and, you know, break in and then a lot of them impress, but it's about staying there. And, you know, I think training with the first team is such a big achievement. A lot of them are doing that, you know, without a lot of people knowing every week. But it's about, you know, being in that match day squad and slowly building. It's about staying there as well. It's so difficult, isn't it? Yeah, making that step up permanently. Yeah. Uh, exciting times, though, for many of those players. Lindsay, where where are you off to next? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I'm... <laughs> And well, imminently, I am at Palace against Spurs later, and then I'm at Mansfield versus Barrow for soccer Saturday. Mm, living it up at Mansfield there at the weekend. Lindsay Hooper, thank you so much. Until next week, uh, when we'll catch up again. Thank you. And Kiva O'Neill as well. Great to have you on the show, Kiva. Thanks to you if you've been listening. Don't forget to check us out at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram and the website offsiderulepodcast.com. Do let us know what you think of the show and make sure you give us a follow. Until next time, bye for now. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Athletic. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.